Welcome, everybody. Good to have you in church today. Hello, hello. Great to have everybody here in church today. We are in week number two in our Beyond Survival series, walking through some of the themes in the book of Jonah. Uh, There might be a couple more books out at the uh, Connection Center. If you are with us last week, you got one of the study guides. There might be a few extra, but you can always download the digital version. Just go to the app. It's right there for your perusal. Um, You know, we've all said it, I think, and certainly we've all heard it. When we ask somebody, hey, how you doing? People say, I'm surviving. People ask us, how you doing? Well, kind of surviving, just trying to keep my head above water. You ever heard that before? Ever said that before? Maybe you feel that way right now. The reality is God wants more. He wants us to soar. He doesn't want us to sink. He doesn't want us to barely tread water and swim. He, he wants us to soar. He wants us to rise above the many, many challenges that come our way. And uh, last week we talked about the first wave, and that is dream. Nothing happens until we start dreaming. And today we're going to start talking about wave number two, and that is decisions. Decisions, decisions. If you've ever been to the ocean, I love the ocean. If you've ever been there recently and you watch the waves come in, there's something you know about the waves. They're powerful, they're relentless, they're continuous, they don't stop, they go, go, they keep on coming one right after the other. A lot like decisions. Did you know experts say that we make thousands of decisions every day? Over 200 just on food itself. How many knew that? That's a lot of thinking about food, by the way. You better be careful about that. We make thousands of decisions every day. Decisions that come at it. It behooves us to get good at making decisions. How many have ever made a bad decision? My hand's up. How many have ever made a good decision? Some of you who raised your hand about bad did not raise your hand about good. This message is for you. Uh, We need to get good at making wise decisions. You know, there are good decisions, there are bad, they're easy, they're hard, there are kind of one-time decisions, and there are ongoing decisions. There's a lot of different kinds of decisions. But learning to make wise, good decisions is really, really important. And Jonah gives us some insight on how to do that effectively. So again today, we're going to walk through the second of nine waves, nine waves that we need to embrace and navigate if we're going to live our best life. And God wants us. He wants us to soar. He wants us to experience more in life. But a lot of it comes down to how well we do decisions. Decisions will make us or decisions will break us. Last week, we talked about God's vision for your future. We talked about a dream. What is God's dream for your family? What is God's dream for your marriage? What is God's dream for your finances? What is God's dream for your faith? Notice what it says here in Jeremiah 29, 11. I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plan to give you hope and a future. God has a dream for every area of your life. Keep dreaming God's dream. Keep thinking about God's vision. When we talk about dreams, we're not talking about something esoteric or mysterious. It's God's plan, God's vision, God's goal, God's standard, God's ideal for your life in these many different areas. And we talk about it, kind of sketch it out in the chart included here in the book. Today we want to talk about decision making. And the the book of Proverbs says this, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. 
Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. Verse 7, if you go on, it says, don't be wise in your own eyes. In other words, be wise in God's eyes. Make wise decisions. Powerful. Now, I know for sure that there are many in our church family that have some really tough decisions to make here pretty soon. I talked with several families last week who had some brutally hard decisions to make. You make the wrong one, things can go really crazy. You gotta figure out how to make the right one. And not every decision is really easy to make. Have you found that to be true? (laughs) We all have. So what is that decision you need to make? Maybe it's about your marriage. Maybe it's about your, your kids. Maybe it's about your finances, your faith. Or, or maybe there's a health decision. The doctor's got you thinking about something that you really need to make a decision about. What is the big decision that God has for you to make? In fact, let me just ask, how many would raise your hand and say, you know, Pastor Rob, I've got a really big decision I need to make in the near future. Go ahead and hold your hand up. And probably the rest of us have decisions we need to make, whether we put them in the real big category or not. Decision-making is something we do all the time. How can we get it right? Today I want to draw your attention to the note sheet. We're going to talk about four keys to making wise decisions. What does the Bible say? What does Jonah say to us, good and bad, about how to make wise decisions? Well, the first key is we need to crystallize what is my actual decision, my actual dilemma that I have to deal with. It can sometimes be confusing. Sometimes we get off on the wrong track and we're confusing the decision that we really need to make. That's what Jonah did. Notice it says in verse 1, the word of the Lord came to Jonah, go down to the great city of Nineveh and preach the good news. But Jonah ran off on a uh, carnival ship to Tarshish. He went down to Joppa. I've been to Joppa many different times. He found a ship there, he boarded it, and after paying the fare, he went aboard for Tarshish to what? Flee from the Lord. God says, go. Jonah says, no. I'm not interested in being your mouthpiece. I'm not interested in being your representative. I don't want to do what you're wanting to do. You're wanting to save the Ninevites, and I hate the Ninevites. I hate the Assyrians. They're evil. They slaughter people. I mean, think the Holocaust. Think think what's going on uh, in the Middle East. I mean, you can kind of understand Jonah a little bit. Come on, the the human side of us is a little bit of Jonah in all of us, and certainly when it comes to this point, the, the Assyrians were just dastardly folks. He wanted nothing good to do with them. And so he says, I'm going the opposite direction. But I want you to think about something. There are some decisions that we have to make that don't rise to the level of obedience to God, but this one did. And that's why I say you need to crystallize what is the actual decision I'm making. For Jonah, it wasn't, go to, I don't want to go to Nineveh. For Jonah, it was, I don't want to have to deal with these people. For Jonah, the big decision, the big decision is, am I going to obey or disobey God? That was the big decision. He needed to study the motivation of his heart. He needed to understand what was being asked of him. He needed to understand the big decision here is, am I going to obey or am I going to disobey? That was the dilemma. That was the decision. 
And he said, I do not want to obey God. So about that big decision that you have to make, does it rise to the level of obedience? If it's a faith decision, am I going to serve God or not, that rises to that level. But maybe it's something else. Maybe it's, uh, you know, uh, I want to do this job instead of this job, or I want to go to that college instead of that college, or, you know, I want to do this activity at high school or that activity at high school. I want to move to this county. I want to move to that state. You know, some of those things may not quite rise to the level of obedience. I've shared this before, but I like to talk about the, uh, the dot in the middle of the box. And uh, the Bible teaches what you see here on the screen. God's perfect will is the Bible. You know, we hold it in our hand, we have it on our phones, the Bible, God's word. That is absolute truth. Whatever God says, we must live within that box. But you know, there's movement within the box. You know, God's permissive will. Like I said, I can go to this college or that college. I can participate in this high school activity or that high school. There's different places to move. But you know, we can potentially choose to move outside the box. For example, I was talking to a guy the other day who was trying to figure out you know, what kind of job to do. And, and, uh, and uh, you know, I was talking to him and, and I said, you know, you can do this kind of a job or that kind of job. All of these are kind of within the box, but you don't want to go work for the mafia. That's outside the box. How many know being a hitman is outside the box? And so fortunately, Danny Butcher decided to be a pastor instead of work for the mafia, which really makes me feel good because I was worried there for a moment. <laughs> there are some decisions I can take as outside the box. You know, I'm going to gamble my money. Uh, I'm going to become a drunkard. You know, I'm going to destroy my life with drugs. I'm going to... Uh, you know, spend all my family's money on these types of things so that I'm not providing. I mean, there are things outside the box, but there's lots of room within the box. God's perfect will. Jonah was outside the box. Gary Friesen has written a book, Decision Making in the Will of God. I highly recommend it to you. And he talks about seven considerations in the Bible for how to make wise decisions. And I want to give them to you quickly. I've included it in the uh, study guide with all the verses. We're not going to take time to really go through that, but I do encourage you to do it this week. Again, if you weren't able to get one of the hard copies, they were uh, flying out of here, um, make sure that you download the digital version and study with a friend. Maybe you got a friend in New York. Hey, hey let's Zoom up Tuesday night, and uh, I've got a study that we want to do on uh, wise decision-making, and, and go through all these scriptures with them. But let me give you... Uh, these real quickly. You see them on the screen. What does the Bible say? Obviously, that's really important. What are the circumstances in this situation? What doors open and close? There's a key scripture in 1 Corinthians that talks about open and closed doors. What's the Holy Spirit say? That still small voice within us. When we accept Christ, the Holy Spirit takes up residency, and he walks with us, and he talks to us. What is the Holy Spirit saying? Uh, what does mature counsel say? That's why it's so important to surround yourself with wise, godly people. If you don't have them, for sure, get in a small group here at the church. Even if you have them, get in a small group at the church. You can't have too many good, wise people to influence you and to be a, 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 you know, a, a sounding board that you can kind of work through things. Um, 
What are your personal desires? God says he gives us the desires of our heart. If we're walking with him, there are certain things he places deep in the core of our being. What is your personal desires about this matter? What's common sense say? I love this one. You know, the Bible talks a lot about wisdom. Turn to your neighbor and say, did you know the Bible talks a lot about wisdom? Uh, it talks a lot about wisdom. In fact, there are books in the Bible that are wisdom books, like Proverbs, like James, and others. Be wise, not in your own eyes, but be wise in God's eyes. What's the wise decision? And then the last one is divine guidance. Uh, You've got to be careful with this one, but, you know, it doesn't happen to too many of us where God writes, writes on the wall or, or, you know, spells it out in the sky. You know, I heard about a... Uh, uh, a farmer who uh, was trying to decide what he needed to do with his life, and, and he looked in the sky, and some of you have heard this, he saw the initials GPC, and he said, I need to go preach Christ. And his fellow farmer came up and says, no, 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 that means go plant corn. Go plant corn. <laughs> you you got to be careful. But the point is this. If we would just take those seven and apply it thoroughly, to the big decisions of our life, filter our decisions through those, as well as the four things that I'm talking about here today, we would make many more good decisions. I was working on this part of my sermon this week, and uh, I just got to thinking about what goes into a legal brief. And I have this, my youngest son is an attorney, so I shot him an email, and I said, uh, hey, Britt, what, you know, when you do a a legal brief, a legal summary, what goes into that? And he said, well, it's just one page. Um, And then he just sent me these three letters, or these four letters. I'm going, come on, Britt, give me a little more to work with here. I mean, he's very uh, conversational. I expected a three-page document in return. He gives me just these four letters. And I finally found out it means issue, rule, analysis, conclusion. I thought to myself, that's very interesting. I didn't really know anything about that. But but I'm going to use that. Imagine if we come to major decisions in our life and we take a look at what is the issue. Is it a God obedience issue or is it kind of a free will I can choose issue? What is the real issue if I crystallized it? And what's kind of the rule of scripture on this thing? And and as I analyze that big decision, should I move here, should I do this, should I do that, should I take this job, should I take that job, what are the conclusions that I come to? And what would happen if we would take the time and we would type out intentionally, uh, crystallize, clarify some of our major decisions by just really, really putting together a legal brief, a summary, a decision-making summary? I can't imagine, but it would help us make wiser decisions. Maybe not about what to eat for lunch, but I'm talking about the major, major decisions in life. I think of Abraham... Last week we talked about Joseph in juxtaposition to Jonah. Today I want to think about Abraham in juxtaposition to Jonah. Jonah said, no, I'm not going to go where you want me to go, God. Abraham said, I'll leave Ur and I'll travel all the way to Canaan and I will be the father of many nations just like you want me to. I am willing to leave my homeland. Everything I know I'm a man of high status. I have so much property. I'm a very wealthy man. But I'm, I'm willing to kind of box everything up and travel 1,500 miles on foot, take women, children, the elderly, and we'll go. God, we will do what you want us to do. 
He crystallized the decision and recognized this had risen to the level of obedience, disobedience. He said, God, I'm all in. Let's do this. To me, I'm inspired by that. The second thing I want us to think about is, is contemplate. What are the consequences of my choices? I wonder, do we think thoroughly, think through thoroughly the consequences of our choices? See, there are consequences to making the wrong decision. There are consequences to making the right decision. They're good. And there are consequences to being indecisive when we should make a decision. Decisions can sink us. We can barely tread water and, and, and then we can soar. Decisions are so important. Notice what it says here in verse 4. Then the Lord sent a great wind and a violent storm and the ship was threatened to break up and the sailors were afraid. And what did Jonah do? He went under deck and went to sleep. He was literally asleep on the job. Boy, what a great metaphor. Instead of being vigilant and, uh, and uh, you know, focused on trying to get things right after he'd really messed up, he says, man, I'm tired. I'm going to sleep. To contemplate, here's what the, the, the dictionary says. To contemplate means to look at thoroughly for a long time. <laughs> Jonah spent no time. To think profoundly and at length, to meditate. How many times have we made huge decisions without doing that? Far too many, probably. It's unwise to not think deeply about the consequences of our choices. Jonah thought he was just making a decision that would only impact him, and he was good with that. But not only is he about to die, but, but all the sailors are about to die. And not only that, but he's unwilling to do what God wants him to do to rescue a bunch of other people. There are consequences to bad decisions. It's unwise not to think that through. He was asleep in more ways than one. He was thoughtless, oblivious, and senseless. Somebody once said that choices made in anger cannot be undone. And it shows a picture of a, uh, of a dog jumping after a bird over a ledge. Can you picture that? It's nowhere to go but down after that. We make bad decisions and we just don't think the consequences follow. Here's the, here's the rule. We get to choose what our choices are, but we don't get to choose the consequences. They go with the choice. And so if we choose to sow to the wind, the Bible says we're going to reap the whirlwind. Choices. How about us? Where do we need to contemplate our choices more carefully? Where do we need to think through, hey, if we don't get help on our marriage, the consequences are this thing's going to unravel quick. Where do we need to decide, hey, if we don't get our finances on the right track, this thing's going to unravel pretty quick. What are the decisions we need to make about our kids? What are the decisions we need to make about establishing a culture in our family, a culture of respect and decency and obedience and loving God and loving each other? If you don't set the culture, the culture will set itself, and it never turns out good. Make a decision. Think about the consequences. I was thinking about this, and I thought to myself, you know, the thing we got to do is we need to wall ourselves in. And so I put together this little diagram. We need to build four walls, and we need to live within those four walls. And let me see if I can unpack this and illustrate this just a little bit. The decisions we need to make, if we're going to make good and godly decisions, our decisions need to come from the right heart. It needs to be about obedience. 
Jonah's heart was not right. He disobeyed. We need to make decisions, good and godly decisions, coming from the right motivation. That's wisdom. Jonah's motivation was not right. It was unwise. We need to make decisions, good and godly decisions, from the, uh, for the right reason. Faithfulness. Jonah's reasons are not right. Unfaithful. Unfaithful. And we need to make good and godly decisions for the right purpose, and that is to serve others. Jonah's purposes were not about serving others. They were selfish. Box yourself in by asking, am I making the right decisions? Are they good and godly? Am I living within four walls? Let me use an illustration that's pretty benign and, and pretty simple and pretty clear, and that is, you know, the Bible encourages us and common sense encourages us to save money. You know, don't spend all your money. Save. Save for your needs. Save as a rainy day fund. Save for the future. Save for college. Uh, I remember, uh, uh, <laughs> it just, just pops into my mind right now. I've shared this before, so some of you will remember it, but it still is kind of funny. Uh, you know, I would talk to my boys all the time about money and saving and this kind of thing. Got to save for college, whatever. And when my youngest son was four years of age, uh, he and his two older brothers and I were sitting, we were talking about saving. Okay, you've done this work, you get some money, so this, you know, needs to be saved over here. But you get a certain percentage that you get to save, and then you get to spend it. I want you guys to learn the value of being able to spend some money. And so, uh, you know, I quizzed the boys. Uh, my youngest was four, and the others were uh, older, of course. And Reg, what do you say? Well, I'm saving for college. Uh, Quinn, what are you doing? Well, I'm saving for college. Britt, age four, what do you say? Saving for retirement. <laughs> you know, at least he was thinking about saving. I, I, I'm not sure how well that worked out, but uh, anyway, we laughed at him. We mocked him at age four, and he thought it was great fun. Anything to get a laugh from us, he was all about that. But think about this for a moment. Here's the wrong and the right decision when it comes to saving money. I want to have all the fun I can now versus I will save because I want to be obedient. You see the wall of obedience. Discipline is no fun, but saving money is wise, the wall of wisdom. Spend now because life is short versus save now so I can bless others in the future. I kind of jumped ahead. That's the fourth one. That's the wall of service. Let me go back to the third one. The more I spend, the better I feel versus saving is faithful stewardship, the law of faithfulness. This is something I'm going to apply to my life as I think of major decisions. What does obedience say? What does wisdom say? What does faithfulness say? What does service say? What does obedience say? What does wisdom say? What does faithfulness, what does service say? I need to build four walls. I need to box myself in. I think Abraham did that. He says, God, you want me to move from Ur all the way up to Canaan? Well, let me think about that. You know, what does obedience say? What does wisdom say? What does faithfulness say? What does service say? It says I need to go, so I'm going to go. We need to also consecrate. We need to consecrate our lives to God on a daily basis. Jonah didn't. Notice, we need to ask ourselves, will I pray about this decision? Will I uh, listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit? Will I seek godly advice? 
Uh, will I study scripture? You know, will I pour myself into the, the tools and the means that God has given me to help me make a wise? Will I consecrate myself? Jonah, not so much. The captain goes down to the sleeping Jonah and says, get up. You know, we're about to perish, man. Pray to your God, maybe he'll save us. They cast lots, and the lot fell on Jonah as the perpetrator of all of this. Tell us who's responsible for making all this trouble. What kind of work do you do? Where do you come from? He says, I am a Hebrew. I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, the God who made the sea and the dry land. I read that and I say, yeah, you talk a good talk, but you're not walking a good walk. You say you serve the God of heaven, but you're living in defiant disobedience. How in the world do you think that's going to turn out good? We get to choose our choices, but we don't get to choose our consequences. And Jonah was oblivious to all this. He did not consecrate himself and his decision before the Lord. Lord, here I am, humble and open to whatever you want me to do. Jonah did not pray that prayer. That's a prayer of consecration. God, how do you want to use my life? What, what, what is the next step for me? How can I grow and become more like Jesus? He did not pray those prayers. Those are prayers of consecration. Decision-making is so important. We cannot be negligent. We must be diligent. As we choose, so go our life. Our life is a sum total of our decisions. I know you know that and agree with that. He was willing to talk about his faith, but he was not too willing to live it. And he certainly didn't pray about it, and he didn't search scripture about it, and didn't seek godly advice. He wanted to run as quickly as he possibly could. Romans 12 says that we're to offer our bodies, our entire lives, as living sacrifices. This is how we're able to test and prove what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Jonah did not consecrate himself to the Lord. He was not interested in doing the will of God. He was interested in the will of Jonah. The will of God requires consecration. It requires commitment to him, devotion to him. Lord, I don't care about anything on life. I just want to do the will of the Lord God Almighty. God, I want to fulfill your purposes. I want to be like Paul. I want the aim of my life to be about accomplishing your tasks for my life. Kind of play out this my will versus God will by, by looking at this acrostic on the next page. Ask yourself these questions. Will I worship God? Will I imitate God? Will I listen to God? Will I learn from God? Just imagine if we all could say yes to each of those at every point along the way. When we're tempted to make a bad decision, when we're tempted to be indecisive, when we need to make a good decision, when we need to make a hard decision, when we need to make a difficult decision, will I worship, imitate, listen, learn? Number four, and finally, choose. At some point, we have got to fish or just cut bait. We have got to have the courage to step out and make the right call. And there are some ladies here today that are elbowing their fiancé and saying, you got to get with the program here. It's time to get married, all right? Uh, or soon-to-be fiancé. I'm here to help you gals any way I can. <laughs> Notice how Jonah was just the opposite of this. He had no courage to make the right decision. Verse 10, they were terrified. What have you done? They knew he was running from God, so that made him more scared. 
The sea was getting rougher and rougher, so they asked him, what should we do to make the sea calm? And Jonah is just wishy-washy. He lacks commitment. He lacks courage. He's the exact antithesis of what we need to see as a good decision maker. Just the opposite of Abraham. His disobedience and lack of courage, Jonah's, uh, almost had him undone, except for the grace of God rescuing him at the bottom of the ocean and the grace and patience of God working with him from that point on, Jonah would have been history. His lack of courage derailed the mission of God in his life. Think about that for a moment. Is there an area in your life where you could honestly say, my lack of courage in doing the right thing is thwarting the will, the mission, the purpose of God? What is God asking you to do? Where is God asking you to change? How is God asking you to grow? You keep putting off that appointment to go with your wife or go with your husband to marriage counseling. You keep putting off working on a matter with your kids. You keep putting off dealing with your financial circumstance. You keep putting off the question of faith. Should I commit my life to Jesus or not? Have courage. Step out. Do the right thing. Do the thing you know that is right and allow God to bless you. Allow God to bless you. We need to step out. We need to be courageous. You know, I shared this a little bit last week, but let me just share it again. Sometimes we need to look at here in the choosing part at our decisions in three different dimensions. You know, what, what is the decision I need to make about my finances? What are the details about those finances. I'm running in the red, so I need to develop a better budget. I need to curb spending. And when is the deadline? When do I need to start this? I need to start it yesterday. How many of you can turn the clock back one day? I need to start it today. Now. Now. I need to get on this budget now. You know, what is my dilemma? What, what, what are the, the details of it? What, what's the deadline? I'm just so inspired by Abraham. He had everything in the world going for him in Ur. 1,500 miles away from Canaan. He had everything going. Why would he move? He had property. Lots of it. He was wealthy. He had great prestige and status. I mean, he was living on the top of the world. And God says, I have handpicked you. I want you to pack up what you can. Head to Canaan. I'm going to make you the father of many nations. And Abraham said, let's do this. He had the courage to go where Jonah didn't. But more important than Jonah and Abraham are you and me. Where is God calling us to take that step? Where is God asking us to move out? Where is God asking us? How is God asking us to move forward? And that's going to be a different answer for every one of us, but I hope we all answer it courageously, enthusiastically, and in the affirmative. God, like Abraham, I'm all in. Let's would you bow your heads with me? I want to ask the question again as we get ready to close in prayer. But with every head bowed and every eye closed, how many would say, Pastor Rob, I want to be included in this closing prayer. I've got some big decisions I need to make. Would you just lift your hand, hold it high for a moment? It could be anything, faith-related, family-related, uh, you know, moving your life forward, you know, stepping out, having the cur- you know, whatever it might be, just lift your hand high. God sees every single hand, every hand. How many are here? A totally different question. Say, Pastor Rob, I'm really grieving. 
over past decisions I made that were bad. I need God to help me overcome these and forgive myself. Would you raise your hand in all honesty? Come on now, this, this is real. Past regrets, past mistakes. We all have that to one degree or another. And the message is God will forgive us. If we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us. You say, you don't know what I've done. You don't know how it's just unraveled my life. No, but Jesus does and he wants to help you. But one of the first steps is you just need to admit it and say, God, I blew it, but I need your help to recover. And how many are thankful that God will help us recover? The rest of our life can be the best of our life through Jesus Christ our Lord. One final question. How many would say, Pastor Rob, I need to make a definitive, courageous commitment of faith. Today I want to commit my life to Jesus Christ as my personal Lord and Savior. Just hold your hand high. No more indecisive. No more indecision. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. There's no more important decision we make in life than what to do with Jesus. Am I going to reject him or receive him as my personal savior? Am I going to receive forgiveness of sin through Christ? And Lord, you saw the hands that were just raised. I want to pray for them to start. Lord, come into their life. Bring your forgiveness as only you can. And give them a fresh start and a new direction. Those of you that raised your hand to commit your life to Christ, just simply pray, Lord, come into my life, forgive me my sins. I want to follow you from this day forward. I want to encourage you to fill out one of those connection cards before you leave. Drop in the black box when you leave. I want to reach out to you here this week. For those, Lord, who said, hey, I need to overcome some bad decisions, God, give them the courage. I thank you, thank you, thank you, Lord, for their honesty. Give them the courage now to move forward from this point. And for those that have some really hard, major, big, big decisions to make, Lord Christ Almighty, use this message, the Word of God, the Spirit of God, the people of God, to just come around these dear friends and support them and undergird them and help them as they step out in this decision-making process. Thank you, Lord, for being with us every day. Thank you by giving us your Holy Spirit that walks with us and gives us discernment and insight. Thank you for the word of God, Lord, that we can study and study and, and learn about the will of God and the ways of God. I pray that you'll just continue to guide us and direct us as we step out in Christ day by day. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. I'm going to invite us to stand. Our prayer team's going to come. We're going to sing one final song. Our tradition service and online services will be closed independently. But let's sing and uh, worship the Lord. If you have a special prayer need, a decision you need to make, come and pray with someone here today. God bless you.